0: Welcome to Momentum Church. All right, good morning, everybody. Good to be here today, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to bringing the word to you today. Before we get started, many of you, as you came in, you received a sheet of paper, right? So if you received that sheet of paper... Um, Awesome. If you didn't, for some reason, raise your hand. The ushers, we ran out. They're going to come and find you and bring you that sheet of paper. Keep your hand up till they bring it to you. What I want you to do with that is I want you to, where it has a circle, we're going to do this together. Ready? If it has a a circle, write your name in that circle. This is something that we're going to have throughout the teaching today, something that I want you to reflect on through the teaching. It's okay if you daydream a little bit while I'm preaching. You're like, pastor, I already do. No. Think and write things down. Here's what I want you to be writing down. Write these three words up in the corner of that paper. Write the words acquaintances, acquaintances. Write the word family, family. And write the word friends. So, acquaintances, family, and friends. And what I want you to do as I'm preaching today. As groups come to your mind, think about it like five people, ten people, or bigger, like around five, five and, and bigger. So it might be you're in a book club. Maybe you're a lady, and you're in a book club. Oh, I'm a book club. Write down book club. You know. Maybe you're on the PTA. Write down PTA. You know. Maybe for you, you play cards with some guys. Write down cards, guys, whatever. You know. Um, bowling league. You get you get the picture. You know. Maybe cousins or you know, um, that side of the family. (laughs) And you can write it that way too. That side of the family. No, but just write down different groups, acquaintances, friends, and, and family groups. And then just... However many come to you, just begin to write those down now and as we get into the teaching here um, as you're doing that I'm just going to tell you a little story. Years ago <clears throat> it'll be 17 years this April, Jared Hager, Pastor Jared and myself, we moved to Georgia to plant momentum church and we got a duplex over in Ackworth and the idea was we would live there about a month and get his wife and child here and then the next month we would get my family here. we would come early, get things set up for the church, you know get some he start he. I started a little side business, and he got a job, and so we would have some finances before our family got here. Well, that's what's going on. So it's just Jared and I in this duplex, and it was over in Ackworth, and I hear a knock on the door. And so on a Saturday morning, there's a knock on the door. Who is that going to be? Jehovah's Witnesses, I would hope. Maybe, maybe the Mormons. I, I look through the peek hole you know, and white shirt, tie, they did not have. So then I was like, oh my gosh, it's not the JW. It's not the Mormons. It's worse, Baptists." <laughs> Just kidding. My mother did not like that joke in the first service. She was here. My mother was raised Baptist. And um, that's not funny, Ross Allen. That's not funny. So yeah, it is. Um, so they come to the door and the woman asked this question and raise your hand if you've heard this question before. Do you know where you will spend eternity should you die today? Yep. How many heard that question before? How many heard it on a doorstep? Yes, Yeah, some of you, some of you. And I'm just like, there's no pretext. Like, hi, I'm Ross. Like, you're, like I kind of want pretext. You're talking about my eternal soul, and this is the first thing out your mouth? You know, it's not, hi, I'm Bob. Are you going to hell or heaven? <laughs> you know, I didn't even get Bob. And so... <laughs> Um, He says this question, and and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 no, I'm saved. And he's like, looks at me, and I I said, yeah, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm a believer in Jesus, you know. And throughout the conversation, I did find out he was a pastor, and the young man with him was his youth pastor. I won't say what church, but, but, you know, I let him know clearly when I'm saved. I'm a believer in Jesus, I'm born again. I even said, I'm born again. (laughs) You know, I want him to be sure. I was, you know, getting it. And, um, and he goes, well, how can you be sure? <laughs> I just said born again, like unborn again, folk don't use born. You know what I mean? I'm not, he goes, how can you be sure? I'm like, well, when I was four years old, you know, it was, it was after a service. I was home, and I, I guess the Spirit of the Lord just touched my heart, even as a little boy. And I ended up weeping, and I was tucked into a closet, kind of afraid. I don't know why. And God just visited my heart and I gave my life to Jesus. And I came out and I told my mama, I'm just like you and daddy and Tammy now. I got Jesus living in my heart too. And, and I came out and testified about my salvation experience to my mom and I'm crying. And he said, well, tears don't mean you're saved. <laughs> they do mean I just punched you in the throat. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. <laughs> I tease because I, I love. So I was just blown away, you know. And so he said, you know, he, he wants to know, but are you sure you're called? You've been called by him. And I was just like, dude, I, I, I've been a pastor since I was 19. We are here. This guy back here, we're here. I think Jared's like, he's, he's like, this is going to be fun. I've been a pastor since I was 19. We're, we're here to plant a church. Like, that's what we're doing. We're planting a church in Woodstock. He says to me, he says, Well, there'll be many that will come and they'll say, I cast out demons in your name and I healed in your name. But Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Just like I wish I didn't know you right now. This is what he says. And and I'm like, I am saved, but I'm about to lose the fruit of the spirit (laughs) right about now. I mean, like, Guys, it was blowing my ever-loving mind. And so, you know, I thought I was clear enough. And then literally, he says to me, listen, if you want to be sure without a shadow of a doubt, before I leave, before we go, we will pray with you, the sinner's prayer. That way you can have confidence that you can go to heaven, you know? And I just, man, I I tried to be polite, and I was. And I'm like... (sighs) And I was like, dude, I'm saved, you know, and I I appreciate your concern, you know, and and then he left. Well, I know his concern is of the fact that should I go out in that street and get hit by a car, he, he would know I went to heaven. I know it's coming from a good place, okay? So a lot of times, how many was, just to be honest, you were harangued into salvation. Okay, this proves my point. Look around, everybody, not one hand raised, you know. You made me miserable enough, I prayed and got saved. The Bible doesn't say that, does it? It says the goodness of God draws you to repentance, you know, conviction too. I mean, there's times, man, that, 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 that the fear of the Lord will get on you, you know, and that's a good thing. But this was just one of those things to where, and I know it's a model, and I'm not saying that model's wrong. There are people that have truly come to faith in Christ by people knocking on doors, okay? So I'm not saying it's wrong. What I'm saying is I don't see it in the Bible, And I want to look at a story today because I think it will affect us in our lives on how we will reach the people on that paper because the people on your paper are important. They're not just important to you. They're important to Jesus, you know? And and to me, I felt like on that door stoop that day, all the man was wanting to do was walk away. Yep, got another one. One, two, three, four, cross it over. One, two, three, four, cross it over, you know? That's just how it felt. It didn't feel genuine. It felt like you were trying to put me on a list. And when I told you I was on the list, that wasn't good enough because I wasn't on your list. Boy. So all I'm getting at is there's a better way to do evangelism. And we're going to walk into this next passage of John, chapter 1. Let's stand to our feet. And the first part, I want to give a little context and a little bit of historical background. But then we're going to get in and just see... How Jesus changed the world. And I believe it's gonna give you a little spark and demystify how Jesus will use you to change the world too. Amen? So, John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. The next day, John. He saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist, not John the writer, just to kind of clarify. John is writing this down, the apostle, but he's talking of John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on Jesus. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and I've borne witness that this is the Son of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go through this, just inspire us. Just give us a sense of what's possible, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seats. So we can see in this passage of scripture, a couple things. The first thing that we see is that John the Baptist, he has been baptizing people unto repentance. But he knew he was preparing a way, we learned the last couple weeks, for the Messiah that would come. But he didn't know who the Messiah was. Now he knew who his cousin was. He knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know yet that Jesus was the Messiah, and now Jesus comes on the scene of baptisms taking place, and as he walks, the Spirit of the Lord gives revelation to John the Baptist, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth, the sins of the world. That behold is a strong word. Look at there. Look, that's where our attention should go. The attention isn't on my ministry anymore. The attention isn't on my life anymore. Behold, the Lamb of God. All attention is to go toward Him. And then what's so powerful and beautiful in the midst of this, the power of the Holy Spirit comes through the form of a dove and rests upon Jesus. And we understand that that was the beginning of Jesus's ministry, that anointing from God. Because when Jesus was in the earth, he was 100% man, but also 100% God. And it wasn't until he was 30 at this time that that anointing to do the work that he was called to do on the earth came. Now, doesn't mean that he wasn't pre-incarnate. He has always been. It's just in that moment, that flesh, who he is in the earth, at that moment, 100% man, 100% God, at that moment, that anointing came upon him to do that work. Isn't he? He's always been Christ. He's always been the anointed one. The Bible even says he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth, all right? But in that moment, revelation came to John and he knew this is the Messiah. This is the son of God. This is the one that we've been hoping for. This is what my ministry has been preparing and pointing people to. pointing people to the Lamb of God. Now, that word, Lamb of God, would have not been foreign to the people of this day. The Jewish people of this day, their minds would go to different scriptures that would point out what the Lamb of God was referencing. And most commentaries will speak of three areas that it's referencing. The first is is apocalyptic literature. So in Jewish apocalyptic, like in-time literature, there was a picture of a lamb. They called it the apocalyptic lamb. And that Jesus would come as a lamb, or the Messiah would come like a lamb, and that his power would defeat the forces of evil. And we can see that actually in Revelation 17, where the messianic warrior appears in Revelation as a lamb, and he triumphs over the beast and the armies, okay? So that's one thing. It's like, this is a sign of the end times. So when John says, behold, the lamb of God, there'd be a mind thought that, "Oh, could that be the Messiah? This is like the end times are coming. And they were, in a sense, but pastor, it's been 2,000 years. Yeah, it's the church age, but the end of an age where the church wasn't on the earth was coming. It was there, the kingdom of God now present amongst us because Jesus is amongst us. Number two, it would point to the suffering servant. So the idea of this lamb, um, the, another name for the word the lamb in, in the original language can actually point to the word servant. And so it points to this suffering servant. Some say that this word means it can mean servant, and like Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant. And and surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So, so the suffering servant, if you look in the Old Testament, this lamb would be sacrificed for the sins of the world. And it would, or for the sins of the world, but for that moment. And it was an imperfect sacrifice because it had to happen over and over and over. And it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden when the animal had to be sacrificed so that the skins of that animal could cover their nakedness. Blood is shed as an atonement at that point for their sins. And that followed into the Jewish religion to where animals would be sacrificed to cover their sins. So this is pointing to that, that sacrifice. But it's pointing to the one that truly has come to bear all burden. The one that has come to bear the griefs of sin, the one in Isaiah 53 is the that's the suffering servant, the one who was wounded for our transgressions, the one who was bruised for our iniquities, whose chastisement so that we could have peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. Whoo! This is the lamb that's showing up. And so that would be something in their mind, that, 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 that picture of one that bears the grief, that sin offering that covers the sin. But Jesus is the sin offering. It's final. Amen? I said it's final. Yeah. And then the final thing would be a picture of the Passover lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, you can see the story of God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt and God speaks to them to put a lamb and take its blood and to cover the doorpost and the lintel with 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 um with um with blood. And that way when it was time for the, the, the death angel to fly over it would not harm those those Jewish people. It says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That was the final plague that allowed them to be set free to pursue going to the promised land. So the Passover lamb. So it, it's powerful. I mean, this is giving a picture to Jewish people giving them an understanding in the moment of who the Messiah is, using their own scriptures to point this out, and so on. And so the event that we see here is also described in all four Gospels. So the baptism of Jesus is in all four Gospels, but only in the Gospel of Luke do you see God saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What's powerful is that John receives an inner witness that Jesus is the Messiah and speaks it. But then what's neat is God himself verified. God himself said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's awesome. So it wasn't just man. This voice comes and they hear it and they witness it. And God himself, the testimony that John had actually rested on God's own declaration. I think some of us need to hold on to testimonies like that more often. Like what I mean by that is believe this word. And when you read it, I'm going to have a testimony. I may not have experienced my healing yet, but the Bible says that by a stripes I am healed. I may not have ex- experienced financial provision yet, but the Bible says, speak the word. If I sow bountifully, I will reap bountifully. I may not experience and so on. Hold on to what he declares. Amen. That's, that's the witness we hold on to, the word of God. Let's look here in verse 34. So John says, and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. I have seen and borne witness. That bearing witness, is another word for that, is testimony. This is John's testimony. And why does he have a testimony? Because he has seen it for himself. When it says I have seen, it literally means I have fixed my gaze upon. Man, I want to live in such a way that I'm fixing my gaze upon Jesus. What are you doing next, Jesus? What are you doing in the lives of my family? What are you doing in the lives of my friends? These acquaintances that I have, what are you doing? I'm fixing my eyes upon them. You're going to be revealed in their lives too. What are you doing, Jesus? Fix your eyes upon him. In John 1, 35, it goes on, and it says, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you'll see. So they came and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour, it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. This would have been on Sabbath, they say, and so it's getting close to where we have to stop walking so far. So we'd like to spend dinner with you tonight. Where are you staying? Where, Where are you going to have Shabbat? Tonight, at the beginning of sundown, where are you going to do that? And so he invites them to come with him. But here's what's so neat their personal attachment to John, these two disciples of John, man, it was less than their allegiance to the truth John taught. John, I've loved that you've been preaching repentance, but here's the one you've been pointing to. And the one I love about John, remember I said he was very humble, John the Baptist? In his humility, he points to Jesus and he tells his two disciples, his followers, that, follow them. Like, I'm done here. Like, follow him. This is the one we've been looking for. And he dishes them off to Jesus. Man, I love that. I love that. And so John has an experience. He introduces his two disciples to, to Jesus, and they begin to go. And it just starts this process of connection and, and a spreading of, of, the, of the will and word of God. How many we know we're in a season right now of people catching stuff from other people? You've heard about this, right? Like like a little bit, kind of in the news lately for the last two years? My gosh. Um, But yeah, COVID, so we're we're mindful of that, you know, because we know it's a possibility that people can catch stuff, so we're being careful, and you know, um, I've got a mask in my bag. There's times I wear my mask, you know, because I think it's appropriate and smart to wear my mask. There's other times I don't, because I just don't sometimes, okay? Like I've told you time and time again, it's not a political thing for me, you know? And so, you know, that thing, though, what we're worried about is somebody catching somebody from somebody who's going to catch something from somebody else, and they're going to spread that around. And the thing is... People are carriers, they become infected, they become carriers, and they give it to other people. Do you know, information is very much the same way? We start to carry a truth or an opinion, and we carry it to other people. Now, they carry that truth and that opinion, so that's why we have to be so careful of echo chambers sometimes, because we just keep hearing what bolsters our truth, and it may not be truth at all, right? But these guys are connected to the truth, Jesus, and so now they're going to begin to go out and you'll see what begins to happen out of their life as it starts to spread. And so the coming ones appeared and it's appropriate in the response of John and Andrew, the disciples of John the of of, of, of John the I can't talk. The disciples of John the Baptist. It's appropriate for them to now begin to follow Christ. And I love what a man by the name of Johann Bengel. He was an 18th century German theologian. He refers to this event when the disciples of John the Baptist began to follow Jesus. He refers to this as the origin of the Christian Church. Now, now, Ross, we know the day of Pentecost is when the church started and 3,000 were saved. I, I get that. But this is the beginning of those who are following Jesus. And so in a sense, it's the origin of the Christian church. Because from the very beginning, faithful followers have pointed others to Jesus and have encouraged them to follow Jesus. And that's what John the Baptist did here. In John 1.40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Who's the other one? It says one of the two. Well, it's John, the author of the Gospel of John. Throughout John, you'll see him call himself the beloved, the one that Jesus loved, the disciple. He, he, he never really refers himself, you know. But in this, he says one of the two. So those followers of John the Baptist was John and Andrew, and now they begin to leave. And next thing you know, it tells us who Andrew's brother is, and it's, it's Peter, it's Simon Peter. And so John and Andrew, the first two, Jesus, hello, there we go. And John, in his humility, you know, we can see that, that he gave them up willingly. Go follow him. Behold the lamb. That's who you're to follow now. And these men, their desire is to, to go and be with Jesus. What do you want to do? Well, come hang out. Can we go where you're staying? You come stay. Come where I'm staying. It just sounds like they're going to hang out, right? Because it's what's happening. How many, how many, what's one of the most important things in our life to have? One of the most important things that brings enjoyment to life, friendship. Amen? Just having good friends. And that's kind of what's happening here. These guys, they don't know what's going on. They just know that John's pointing to Jesus, and they're wanting to come along. And Jesus says, come on, stay. Let's go. You know, And they're going to go and have dinner together. He just invites them to hang out. And what's so amazing, that little night of having a Sabbath dinner, that little thing, you wouldn't think much of it but had a huge historical impact. I could see years and years later before these men were, were martyred, you know, it's like, well, how were you a part of that, that church that on the first day it opened, 3,000 people were attending? How are you a part of seeing signs and wonders and miracles? How, you, how did that come to be, that you were these disciples that got to be, if you will, in the inner circle and, and then got to be used of God all through the book of Acts? And, you know, how is that possible? We had dinner. Ah, oh, I love it. You, what? We had dinner. We, 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 we made a friend. Yeah, his name's Jesus. My friend walks on water. My friend... But that's how it started. Isn't that cool? We just, we just made a friend. We began to know him. Because he said, come, see. Come stay with me. And so we did. And then we saw more things starting to happen. It was amazing. That's how it is. Last week we saw what obedience opens up to us. That's why baptism is so important. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized next week. All right. If you're a believer in Jesus, get baptized. But these guys, man, they... They, they, John points says, "Follow him," and they okay, we're going to follow him. There was just obedience, and then the next thing starts to pour out. You know, why did they go and follow Jesus? Because they trusted John's word. Their friend John the Baptist said, and they trusted him. Next thing you know, in John one forty one, Andrew first found his own brother Simon and said to him, "We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. We found him." He goes to his brother, "We have found the Messiah." the one that we've been looking for. And the thing about it, Peter then begins to follow. In other words, if you know that Jesus is the Messiah, in that moment, the only response is to follow him. If you know he's the Messiah, the response is be a disciple. I mean, obviously not like the original 12, but we're still disciples. And I asked you last week, I said, are you a Christian or a disciple? Well, pastor, they're the same. Yeah, ish. I challenged you last week. A lot of people use the name Christian, okay? And I'm not going to say you're not going to heaven, all right? You're just going to go there weak. I don't want to be weak. There's enough weak Christians in the earth today, amen? Jesus invites us to follow him, to be a disciple of his. Like, a disciple is one who walks in the dust of his rabbi's feet. I want to walk like you. I want to talk like you. I want to be just like you. Jesus leans down and gets some mud and spits in it and heals somebody's eye, you know? I, I could see Andrew like, hmm. I wonder if I could do that. Too. Like, Peter, come here. It's <laughs> like, you know, brother, stop it. No, no, I don't I doubt that happened. But but that, that was just that idea. I'm a follower. I want to follow. And we just need to be that humbly, just as Christians, like, I just want to follow you, Jesus. Whatever you say, you say start, I start, you say stop, I stop. You say come, I come, you say go, I go. Guys, in 2022, I want to own that more. Pastor wants to own that more for himself. Why? Because following—that's what Christians do. It's what disciples do, and I want to own that better. I, I haven't owned that as well in my life, and I want to walk better in that, in responding as a disciple to Jesus. So, back to Scripture, John 1:42. They find Simon and. He brought him to Jesus. Andrew brings Simon to Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. How many here have friends that you have nicknames for? Yeah. I'm picturing this with Jesus. Yes, there's a prophetic element to it. You've been a doofus. You've been such a Simon. If there's Simons here, I'm sorry. You've been such a Simon. But... I'm looking at you. You're the rock. That's what Cephas means. You're the rock. Like, and upon this church. Now, obviously, Jesus is the rock, but God used Peter to help build the church. First sermon of the church that the 3,000 came. And this is a man that was a bit of a doofus. This was a man that denied Jesus three times. This is a man who, and Jesus knew this stuff was going to happen. This is a man who, um, 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 when they came to abduct Jesus, the, 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 the guards, he cut off Malchus's ear with a sword. Like, mad props, I think that's pretty cool. But, but you shouldn't do that, right? And Jesus kind of scolded him for it. But man, Peter, he just, Jesus like out walking on the water and Peter's like, I'm going I'm to do that. Whoa, okay, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but the Bible says, Peter, Jesus got his hand and they walked back to the boat. Can you imagine that? Yeah, we can do this together. Don't try it on your own, Peter, all right? But we can do this together. So he gives him a nickname. I love it. Every time he would call him that nickname, man, it's reminding Peter of what Jesus thought of him. I got got some people that I know, they're the only ones in my life except for some family that call me Rossi. And it's endearing. Don't you call me Rossi. It's (laughs) Pastor Rossi. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'll talk about them before I finish today. But basically... It had twofold perk, though. It's like a nickname, but Jesus, when you follow Him, He brings about life change. That name change was a prophetic word, saying that you're not going to stay the same, Peter, or Simon. You're going to be Peter. Can I say it this way? Jesus always sees us in terms of what we can become, not what we are at the moment. Amen and that nickname came out of that, I want you to look at your paper again, alright, so we see Jesus, look at your paper, and now there's Jesus and three disciples we have John, Andrew, and Peter so we have friends, John and Andrew are friends and workmates, so we have friends John and Andrew, then we have family, Andrew and Peter they were brothers, do you see how that works? Then John 1 verse 43 through 47, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me, verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So yes, Jesus finds Philip and says, follow me. But I believe it says it in there because they want you to make the connection that Andrew and Peter and Philip are all from Bethsaida, acquaintances. These guys, they knew each other. You know, so Andrew and Simon, or now Peter, they 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 when Philip when he says follow me, Jesus says follow me. It's like you guys are following him. Yes, it's amazing. The things that we've been learning and growing with. You got to come too. You know. So they say this to to, to, to to Philip, and Philip starts to follow. And then verse forty five, Philip found Nathaniel. And said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Now catch us again. We keep hearing this. Come and see. Oh, it's so good. Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. As soon as Philip became a disciple, Philip became an evangelist. Literally, he comes to Jesus, and instantly he goes and finds Nathaniel. I don't know if you realize this. You may have thought that it was just Jesus coming up to people. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. No, no, no. Jesus, man, he infects these guys with life, and they start to spread this life. And Jesus welcomes them all to come. I love that Nathaniel asked, can anything good come out of, out, of, out of Nazareth? Can anything good? He might as well have been saying, can anything good come out of Alabama? You know? <laughs> I had somebody text me right after service. And um, they said, my, my family watches every week from Alabama. <laughs> so I want to apologize. If I was preaching this in Ohio, I promise you I would have said Michigan. I would have. <laughs> Now I'm hoping I've offended two states. No, I'm kidding. No, but, but does he, and here's the thing I think is so powerful about this. Because yeah, you've got people who have no deceit like Nathaniel, but then you've got these other guys like Peter. And I just want to tell you, when he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like, no, yes, God sees and redeems the dismissed. He sees and redeems the discounted, and he sees and redeems the disenchanted. That's you that's me and even God chose for his son for Jesus to come from Nazareth just as a point to say man that's some backwater town i mean it wasn't backwater town but that idea you know yeah Jesus didn't come from a powerful city i love it and it just marks how Jesus gathers us Jesus promises us in John 6:37 that whoever comes to him will never be turned away if you're here today and you're wanting to know can i come see can i Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Last night, I put the crack pipe on the side of my bed and went to sleep with a girl that I know is not my wife. Can I still come see? Yes. Yeah, you can come see. Pastor, you don't know. I've been stealing and embezzling money at work, that nobody knows. I haven't told even my wife. Can I come see? Yes, you can come see. Pastor, you don't know. I've been looking at every other thing in the world to bring me peace and happiness. I don't want to go to Jesus because all it reminds me of is the religion of my childhood. And guys knocking on doors wanting to know, if you know today, do you know if you'll go to heaven or hell? And all I can think of is, I don't want to be one of those guys. Can I come and see? (laughs) You can come and see. Amen? I don't know about you. I want to give God praise for that. Amen? I do. So the two disciples, they go with Jesus, they spend the day with him, you know, and then they begin to to meet the other people and it starts to grow and grow more. Verse 48, Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So there was a prophetic edge. Jesus saw Nathanael under a fig tree. At that time, a student of the word of Torah would study in the heat of the day under fig trees. So this is a man who is studying. I believe he's studying God's word. I also believe he is studying out of the book of Genesis. I'll tell you why in a second. But he is studying the word of God, and God sees a hungry man who in whom is no deceit. The opposite of Peter, right? All the spectrums. Nathanael is under the tree. He sees him. You will see even greater things than these. You think it's impressive that I saw you under the tree? Wait till you see what you're going to see. And he said to him, truly I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So he sees Nathaniel under a tree. He sees Peter as a rough fisherman. Nathan is his keeper. No, Nathaniel is this keeper of the law. Peter, not so much, Right? Together, both are called to follow and see amazing things manifest. What we begin to see here, as Jesus is inviting him, um, I believe, like I said, I believe I'm trying to find the scripture. It's Genesis 28. I believe that what he was seeing was Nathaniel studying Genesis 28 under the tree, and the reason why is because that's the story of Jacob who saw the ladder or the stairway with angels ascending and descending between heaven and hell or heaven and earth. And I believe that when Jesus looked at him and said, I see you, and you're a man with no deceit. Well, Jacob was known as a man who was a deceiver, full of deceit. God still used him to build an amazing nation, all right? And he saw heaven and earth, and he saw the angels going before the open heaven and the earth. And now he's looking to this man and saying, you have no deceit. You're you're faithful, faithful to the law, hungry, but you're missing something. You're missing an open heaven. And I'm going to be the bridge, the mediator between God and this earth. I'm going to be the one that will open all. And oh my word, Nathaniel, you thought it was neat that I could see you under the tree. You just wait to see what we're going to see. Because when there's an open heaven, we just sung about it. Amen? Powerful things can happen. And so that's, that's what's going on here. He's tying it back to, to Genesis. Skipping a couple things here. And so we can see one final thing in that passage of scripture where he says that you, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Nathaniel's recognizing very, very prominent messianic titles for Jesus. They're actually both shared in Psalms 2, verse 6 and 7. Psalms 2, verse 6 and 7. This powerful, he's the Son of God, he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is making without any doubt. This is the Messiah, all right? In other words, theological debate isn't necessary in the presence of actual experience. I'm not saying don't have understanding of Scripture, have an answer for people. I have a bookshelf full of apologetic books, which are books that answer the questions of man concerning faith and religion. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is saying, come see. As his followers, sometimes that's what we just need to say. Come see. Come experience. All our arguments sound like a guy knocking on the door. And that's all. But our experiences, people cannot argue with those experiences. How wise it is to point honest inquirers to a personal acquaintance with Jesus rather than to burden them with a detailed explanation of non essentials. Man, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Well, what does your church believe? Well, we believe in something called Calvinism. And there's five points. Well, we believe in something called Arminianism. Well, what is that? Well, God chooses some and God doesn't choose some. Or, or you have complete free will. You just choose God for yourself. There's no, you know. and uh, Just say, come see. Come see. Come experience. Come I have a theological debate. Truth of matter is I'm a bit of a Calminialist. I am. I believe God draws me to salvation. It wasn't me choosing. He chooses, but I believe he chooses all. His desire is for none to perish, no, not one. But then when I have a relationship and I begin to experience Jesus, there's things I don't like. He says in Scripture, he gives and he takes away. I don't get that. I don't understand why there's still pain and struggle. I just know that he says in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for the good of those who love God. So somehow he works it all out. Why? Because he's sovereign. Calumniallist. I just don't, I just no, I'm an experientialist, you know. I know what the word says, but I want to come see. I want to see what Jesus is doing. And so, as I said, Nathaniel's invited also into this relationship where God is the mediator, Jesus is the mediator between heaven and hell. Two authors, Beasley and Murray, writing a book, they said it this way, Jesus is the locus of traffic that brings heaven's blessings to mankind. He's at the center of everything. That's awesome. He is the one that connects people to heaven. But watch, here's what's so important. Jesus is the one that connects people to heaven. The followers of Christ are the ones that connect people to Jesus. And I just don't think that just is a knock on the door. If you feel called to that, do it. I'm not saying that's bad. But I just, it's not evangelism the way the Lord has always used me to do evangelism. You know, So I don't want to fault it. I've seen God use it. But on the other side, many of us Fear all evangelism, because that's what we think evangelism is, is that, arguing, trying to prove a point, etc. No, no. Three most powerful words in evangelism are this, come and see. That's what it is. Come and see the one that's connected to heaven and the earth. That when we connect with him, we experience all God has. We experience all heaven has, amen? Come and see. How did you come to Jesus? Did somebody tell you about Jesus? Maybe you were raised in church. That's the way you came. But guess what? Somebody told somebody who 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 told somebody somebody all the way back two thousand years ago to John the Baptist, saying to his followers, "You got to go have dinner with this guy. You got to follow that guy." Amen. We need more people that are saying to people, come and see what Jesus can do. Come and just see for yourself. That's what we need. Hmm. And and, and the reason why is because some of us think of evangelism or witnessing as just this over-aggressive action that just turns people off. And who wants to turn your families off? I get that. The pastor knocking on my door on a Saturday morning. Yes, it's kind of like evangelism, but it's kind of like not. Here's here's how it seems to me. Okay, I know we're almost done here. So just, here's how it seems. I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to say, hi there. I want to know, I have a woman in a car in your driveway and I want you to marry her. (laughs) You you have what? (laughs) A woman. She wants a relationship with you. She, She loves you already. She has dreamed of you and thought of you and has great plans for you. You want to marry her? I don't, I don't, I don't know her. Oh, but she knows you. She, she, she sounds like a stalker. But she knows you. She's just right here in my car. And all you got to do is just say you that you want to do that. You want to meet her. But I, I, no, she'll love you. She really will. She'll give you life and make life more abundant. <laughs> sounds like babies. <laughs> and she's in your car in the driveway. Yeah, yeah she. right, right. Here. I, I don't know. That just seems like, a, that's a lot of buy-in. I, I just don't, I just don't know. Well, here's the thing. If you don't marry her, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> Some people are married like, I've been there a long time already. <laughs> no, no. Isn't that strange? Isn't that weird? Is that, that's just weird. I wonder if evangelism would sound more like, hey, this girl, she's been wanting to meet you. Would you like to come down and, here, come and see, <laughs> you know? I mean, just like, if I was a single guy, how many single guys would go and see? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, all right. I'd like to have dinner. Sounds like a date, doesn't it? You see how that works? That's what Jesus did. He's like, come on. And from that time of fellowship, that time of dinner, their hearts were drawn to him. (laughs) So come and see. Jesus begins with friendship, and that connection moves them into following Jesus as Lord. And next thing you know, the same come and see, they begin to say to their friends, and it goes on and on and on until it grows into a church. No, no, it wasn't some arrogant colonial approach to expanding empire through force. It was love that compelled them. The goodness of God draws you to repentance. Oh, and repentance is necessary if he's Lord. Don't ever, don't ever lose that thought. Your pastor doesn't believe anything goes, amen? I'm a come as you are, but not a stay as you came kind of preacher, amen? But it starts the relationship. It's not, it's not like, come down and marry this girl in the car. Oh, and by the way, she's going to tell you to do the dishes and to do the laundry and to, you know, no. Just have a relationship, and then you figure out what the tasks and the work and what pleases each other and all those kinds of things. And so I'm going to finish with this in real time. You're going to hear a rumor, okay, maybe, that your pastor goes to a bar and plays cards with a bunch of guys. I know, and I just I want to nip it in the bud. I just want you guys to know it's absolutely true. Okay, and, and the reason why is because I just had gotten ingrown. Every relationship I have, all my connections were believers again. And my whole ministry has been find people, do life with them, bring them to Jesus. Come and see, come and see. Everything from the dirt bike community I used to be a part of, to coaching teams, to metal detecting. Every environment I've been in, I've brought people to Jesus. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying that's how I do evangelism. I don't knock on the door. I look at the circle. I look at people. Lord, how can you use me in this moment to tell people to come see? How's that look? Spiritually natural? Or is it naturally spiritual? I don't know, but you get the point. So, year and a half ago, and I don't go often, you know, I like to try to go about every six, eight weeks or so, you know, but a year and a half ago, I started going, and within the first night, I got a nickname, and when I got the nickname, I'm like, I'm in, (laughs) one of the Italian guys that plays, and um, he, he goes, well, Rossi, what do you do? I didn't expect that the first night being there, you know. And so, I'm like, well, actually, I'm a preacher. And he's like, no way. It's not quite the way he worded it. <laughs> and so, long story short, I knew I had a win that night, and, and I did. So, I was, I was like, thank you, Lord, giving me some street cred up in here. But it just grew into some relationships that were really cool, you know? And and year or so ago... Nine months ago, I say it was, one of the guys comes to me privately. Hey, my wife has cancer. Can you be praying for her? Oh, yeah, let's pray. I believe in prayer. Let's pray right now. You know, so we pray. I start praying. And, um, you know, it's just little things like that. So what ends up happening is we're at a wedding, and he's like, hey, don't go away. I'll be right back. I'm going to introduce my wife. He brings her, and he says, hey, this is the preacher that's been praying for your healing. And she let me know that she's coming through it with flying colors. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And I explained in that moment, you know, man, just been praying to Jesus. Jesus does things like that, man, you know, and, and it's just those kinds of conversations. So I'm saying all that to say, I look for opportunities to pour, you know, Pastor Brantley. I'm glad he doesn't go to the bar and play cards. Don't do that. That's my shtick. no. (laughs) But baseball, he's a baseball coach. Three families from his ball team have been here. And I think it was Christmas Eve or the week before Christmas Eve, one of the young men gave his life to Jesus in his 30s. One of the guys, yeah. And that young man's a disciple because every week he looks to Brantley and goes, what do I do next? What do I read? What do I do next? He's like, read, was it John? Read John next week. Okay, it's read. What do I do next? Wow. Mow my lawn. <laughs> no. And so, man, when you have those relationships and Jesus in mind, that's all it is. It's just saying, come and see. And so, you know, last week I had a migraine one day and I prayed and it went away. Guess what that is? That's witnessing material. Because I guarantee you, I'll be with those guys or somebody that's not a believer and they're going to be sick, Man, my head's just been killing me all day. Hey, three weeks ago, I had a migraine start. Usually it puts me in the bed, but I just felt like I was supposed to pray. So I asked Jesus to heal me. Ten minutes later, it went away. I believe in healing. Can I pray with you? And guess what? Jesus is going to heal them. And the headache's going to go away. And they're going to be like, wow, that works. He does. But it's not about that. It's about a relationship. And that person probably won't get saved at that moment. But it's a way to, converse, you know, to have a conversation. Man, I was really depressed. I went to church. They began to sing. We sing at our church, and I just started sensing something. I mean, I know what it was. It was the Holy Spirit, like the presence of God. Just, just, I left church just feeling full of the presence of God and just reminded who Jesus is to me and that he loves me no matter what I'm going through. He's there for me. Did I tell them one thing about their eternal state? No. Guys, I have led people to the Lord my whole life, And that's all I've ever done. It's just come and see. Or setting it up for months sometimes on end. You know, just setting it up. Man, Jesus this, Jesus that. He's my friend. I talk about him. I'm going to talk about him until they're like, okay, I want to meet that guy. Amen? So I want you to take the sheets of paper in your hand right now. Joe, today, that had the miracle on his shoulder... That's Brian's cousin. Brian invited Joe to come to church. Joe comes to church and ends up coming to a faith in Christ. Very skeptical, even to this day. And I love that about him because he's a believer who is skeptical. Do you know you can be a believer who is skeptical? Yeah. But God's always showing himself. Come and see, Joe. Come and see, Joe. And so now there is the opportunity. Brian invites Joe. Joe begins to go and grow in the Lord. And here's an opportunity for Jesus to say, that's who I am. You know? Just naturally supernatural. So hold those in your hand and begin to pray about, God, how am I going to be able to connect with these people in my life? And just look for opportunities. You don't have to force it. God, create these opportunities for me just to share you naturally supernatural. And to be able to say, come and see. Powerful evangelism. It worked for Jesus. I think it can work for us in our family, friends, and acquaintances' lives. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for my friends. I thank you you have drawn us, and I do thank you you co-labor with your disciples to encourage others to come follow you. It's it's a partnership that you've invited us into, and we refuse because we're disciples, and we do what you tell us to do. We refuse not to take up our end of of the partnership and live out loud and watch you draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise. for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv